Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevitz, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the daily fantasy golf podcast from DailyRoto.com. My name is Davis Maddock, and I am joined by my buddy, Colin Drew. And this week, we are going to be discussing the Farmers Insurance Open, uh, which takes place at the beautiful Torrey Pines Golf Course. Uh, they, I believe they, they play one round. Every, well, actually, I know. Everyone plays one round at the North Course. Uh, it is an easier course, and then three rounds are played at the south course uh i don't i don't actually know like what is even the point of playing the north course there's no there's no uh shot link data there there's no strokes gain data and uh you know it's harder for them to obviously to set up the tv crews is it is it literally just advertising for tory pines uh, i think it's partially that and then I, I think it's just also hard to get all the rounds in when you have so many golfers and it's earlier in the year you don't have the, as much daylight as you do later in the year so i think that's another one of the reasons that they have some of these rotational courses is when you get the big fields to try to try to fit everybody in. But yeah, like you said, the courses are, they're pretty different, right? The, the North course is one of the easier courses on tour, like just under 7,300 yards places part 72. It's, you know, in the 10 or 15 easiest all year. So in showdown formats, you're definitely going to want to target golfers that are playing there. And then the South course is it's big boy golf. It's a legitimate course. One of the longest courses on tour every year in par adjusted distance, nearly 7,700 yards long. And it's always inside the, the 15th, you know, toughest courses. So definitely polar opposites there, but they, they play the real course for three of the rounds and it's a, it's a pretty good field, at least at the top end. Polar opposites, uh, especially relative to the course that we just watched as well. Uh, at the, I mean, we, we said the event was going to be Rand, but my freaking lord was it rand i mean this leaderboard first of all the leaderboard it just like every day other than scotty scheffler just assaulting the course with birdies the leaderboard looks different every day we got it we got a great uh ricky weekend choke you know that was awesome to watch like we we're seeing dudes post like 62s and uh and ricky just goes out there on the weekend and, and plays the weekend i believe at three under par total you know just is letting is letting uh andrew landry and abraham answer just take him uh you know just take him out behind the woodshed so <laughs> that was a bummer for me because i i very rarely find myself super invested in ricky but kind of the way i looked at that field last week was ricky is the only guy here with any pedigree at all like he is re- he was really the only guy who could i i thought just you know dominate the event based on his pedigree and his long-term form and uh it, it didn't happen and i i gotta i gotta come clean 
So we had Scotty Scheffler projected as our highest owned golfer, right? Yeah. And and we agreed on the podcast, like, this is a, a very random event. The outcomes yeah. of this tournament are going to be random. So I was like, what is what is a great way to get unique lineups at an event that we already <laughs> think is going to be random? It's just not playing the most owned golfer. And uh, <laughs> my current winnings for the first three days were very bad. And and thankfully, he didn't win. So I was, you know, I think I, I, I probably lost about like 35% of my entries last week. Yeah. But it was looking more like a minus 85% <laughs> of the week if, if Scheffler had won. He was a really good value for us too. Um, it was the, it was just like the ownership that was there. And, um, I liked some of the pivots not by him. Like I liked Abraham answer a lot. He came through. Uh, I liked Billy Horschel a lot too. And he just totally ejected. But like you said, just the, the three course rotation and the fact that two of the courses were so easy just made it so like even, I mean, it, the leaderboards flip on the randomness anyways, but then the course rotation just makes it feel twice as penal. And I mean, We've now seen Adam Long hold off like Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay type golfers one year. And then the next year you get Landry holding off, you know, Scheffler answer and you get the Fowler ejections. So I don't know, man, this, uh, this event, it, I'm sure I'll play it next year too, but I'm, I'm looking forward to some real golf. I mean, that was my, that was my whole process and being like, I mean, if we agree, like, and the outcomes have been super random. I mean, Scotty Scheffler hit a, a drive that hit two rocks off into a river and then bounced back into the fairway. Like that's the kind of tournament that he was having. Yeah, not that I'm, bounce, not that baby. I'm bitter. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get that numbers bounce. You know, you got to have the golfers who have the good mojo on their side. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but, uh, this, this event that we are about to talk about, uh, the, the Tory Pines event, uh, it's, it's changed, changed names like a fair amount of time since I have been following professional golf. Uh, now it is called the Farmers Insurance Open. This event, not very random. We, we pretty much see every year, like, very pedigree golfers win this event, like guys with like very good long-term form, guys who gain strokes off the tee, guys who, you know, obviously are good with wedges in their hands. Cause something that we see with this course is, uh, you know, fairly narrow fairways. Uh, so guys are having to scramble a lot. Uh, guys are having, you know, save par a lot of the time. So I, I feel I, I, I get more excited to play these events where pedigree golfers are very likely to do well. Definitely. And it's going to be a harder scoring environment this week as well, which from a DraftKings perspective means the the placement points matter a lot more. They matter every week, but they definitely matter more this week. Um, Data Golf's kind of course fit information definitely highlights the fact that driving distance matters uh, a lot more here than driving accuracy does. This is not to say like if you're long and accurate, it's obviously preferred. But if you look at some of the outlier performances in previous years here, you, you get like the JB Holmes type golfers popping up. You get Jason Day, who's obviously long, but sprays it. And then you've got like Bubba Watson with a victory here too. So um, definitely, you know, if you're looking for some of the outlier stuff, I think favoring distance over accuracy is a way to go. Obviously the preference is, is you want everything, but um, should be. Yeah, it's, it's like a, re- it's like a real Luke list course, I think is what I'd say. <laughs> you want the the middle aged golfer who's no, I I I I am I'm completely done and dusted. We're we're we are we are officially done with uh, with Luke List. But this this event, man, uh, I mean, first off, it, we got something to watch on the weekends. You know, unless you unless you want to watch the Pro Bowl. So this is going to be an event that uh, a lot of people are watching. Do you think we will get 
bigger weekend golf or showdown contest for round three and round four? I think so, just because there's not going to be NFL stuff for people to register for. So I think they'll, I think they'll put some stuff out there. Um, and yeah, the course is great. One of the cool things uh, Data Golf rolled out this year is the similarity scores, and they've got Torrey Pines as far as similarity scores rated very similarly to Augusta and Quail Hollow, and those are those are two more events that I really like to play as well. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm on uh, I'm on board with all of this. Uh, getting into uh, some specific stuff as it relates to course fit and course history. Last week I turned the slider off. Because, you know, as we discussed, just the, the huge randomness element, I would imagine that relative to baselines, Torrey Pines has one of the bigger impacts you're going to find in terms of course fit and course history. Kind of similar to what the Data Golf research found about Augusta last year when they first started to really dig into this stuff. Like if I was ranking all of the, I think it's like 45 PGA Tour events that they have every single year in terms of how important I thought course fit and course history would be, Torrey Pines would pretty easily be inside my top 10, I think. Yeah, I think the, the course history is definitely up there. Not quite as high as Augusta, just because um, maybe, you know, you're not getting like the same caliber of golfer playing it every year. So you do get some more randomness just on the, the strength of the field. Whereas Augusta, you're always getting a really strong field. Um, but I definitely feel like there are the strong course fit dynamics as well. A lot of it, it's pretty interesting because I feel like the the upside on someone like J.B. Holmes has been there throughout his career here but there's been plenty of downside too and most of the top names in the field have missed cuts here too um, just because the course can be so challenging I think Finau was you know inside the top 20 golfers in the field might be the only guy who hasn't missed a cut here uh, making his first five cuts but I think um, just in general when you get these harder courses obviously you see big names miss cuts at majors all the time because the courses are so strong and so you could see some of that this week as well. Yeah, I I am uh, I'm all on board with all of that. Uh this is uh this is more related to betting than it would be to uh DFS, but just before we get into it, like uh don't don't bet guys at this tournament who are like 100 to 1. Like I just just like save your money for something else instead or or, or bet T20s or T5s. Like just like historically looking at guys who who win this event. Uh it, like one of the deepest guys of the last decade to win was Brant Snedeker and he wasn't even that deep and it was in the year where he played on Sunday and everyone else had to finish on Monday just like a, a completely uh he's got uh, two, completely he's got yeah like two wins in the past 10 years. So I imagine before his first one well, I guess his course history was pretty strong leading into that. Uh, Bubba might have been at a decent price when he won too, but I, I agree. Generally, even like when you're talking Bubba and Snez, I think Scott Stallings is the only guy that. Yeah, was like Stallings. Totally that was the board. name I was searching for who would like, he's the only, uh, uh, Aaron Long comparable at this point. Well, basically. If you're betting 101 guys, you're only, you're not expecting, you know those guys to win very often anyways there are there are courses where last week great example where i'm like oh i'll bet i'll bet six guys at you know uh quarter unit bets at at 100 to one or greater because i actually think that that's an event where like well what we saw is at the top there was not anyone who was carrying a huge bit of the win expectancy and we are we are not seeing that here uh the uh, the projections are very spicy on what they consider to be the win equity of of Rom and Rory. They have they have twenty five percent of the uh, the win equity of this tournament tied up in those two. Which I I mean I don't disagree, but I do think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean they actually have Rory as we get into the top of the field, I and mean, they actually have Rory as a plus EV bet uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. You can get a plus six sixty, and Data Golf makes them like plus five fifty. 
So that was one of the things that popped out. That's pretty surprising. You don't see that very often. And they have Rom as like a break-even neutral bet. Um, ben On was the other guy. If you can get a good price, I think he's 90 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook and only 60 to 1 on FanDuel. So Data Golf makes him 60 to 1 as well. Just that big discrepancy shows that if you can get that DraftKings number, there's probably value there. I know we don't expect the kind of second tier golfers to win, but um, I feel like On is kind of close enough you, to the you, category. You are, uh, so. Our our buddies Pat Mayo and Jeff Feinberg legitimately uh, did 15 minutes on Benny Ann on their podcast, <laughs> and they so so they went through this whole logic of well you need to be a pedigree golfer here to win basically, and then they just <laughs> they spent the next 10 minutes being like well this is why Benny Ann actually is a pedigree golfer like he won the he won the US Am uh, obviously he you know he won the beat up the BMW uh, championship over on the European Tour so he basically took a snowman on the Nicholas course. <laughs> So basically they basically they talk themselves into Benny Ann being in the uh the circle of uh potential winners, which I really appreciated as someone who loves Benny Ann. That's great. I mean ninety to one though. I I think that's a fair price. Yeah, definitely. So uh I uh well do you want to talk a little bit about current form? Um yeah, I, I mean I guess I, I think one of the things I try to think about a little bit in the season is just it's hard to wrap your head around like the golfers who've been playing a lot and those who haven't. I think at this point, most of the top end of the field has um, played at least since the new year, but someone like Rom, who obviously is, is coming in with um, good form over his last events, he's got four top tens and just won this cut, but he hasn't played since the opening event. Um, and then you kind of have some other guys in the second tier that, you know, like the Scotty Scheffler who are coming in with really good form and have been playing a lot recently. That's something that when I'm stuck between guys in a similar price range, I'll probably use to to serve as a little bit of a tiebreaker, I guess, more than something that outright swings my decisions um, or takes me entirely off somebody. But uh, I do think you're kind of seeing some interesting dynamics early in the season that are just hard to wrap your head around. It's just how, how frequently the guys are playing. Like for Rory, this will be the first time that we've seen him in, in quite some time. Yeah. All right. So digging into the range above $10,000, Rory and Rom, super expensive, 11,600, 11,300, Tiger at 10,800, Justin Rose at 10.3 and Xander at 10.1. I got to say, um, before I had looked at salaries or anything and I just was like looking at the field and stuff for this event, I expected Rose to be higher both in the betting markets and way higher in data golf stuff. I feel like historically they are super high on Justin Rose and they are not here. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely had a down year and I think um, he did kind of finish it off. Okay. But some of that stuff was like, like Singapore open and some of these European tour events and uh, just on the, the main tour, he definitely had a down year last year, but I, I kind of agree. Um, I, I think what Tiger did last season is going to always prep him up in some of these betting markets. And you're always going to get Rory and Rom at this point, uh, just because uh, well, Rory over such a long time period. And then Rom just is one of the best up and coming golfers. And even like a JT is always going to be ahead of Rose at this point. So uh, I think this is kind of the new norm for Rose is, you know, back where we had him like two years ago, where he's kind of in that second level, lower $10,000 range. I expect to see him most there most events this year. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, I think that that is pretty reasonable. So Rory is right now projected as our highest owned player. And uh, 
man, I don't know. Like, I, like, I love Rory. This is my, my one concern about him. And this is, uh, I mean, obviously so much of this stuff is already factored into the data, but you do, like, you have to make good wedge shots here to win. Um, you, you have to scramble. You have to gain strokes around the green because you're, you're just like, you're going to miss a lot of fairways. Uh, and that, like, that is just the nature of this tournament and, and paying, utter top dollar for Rory. It just, it, it tilts me ever so slightly into thinking like, maybe, maybe I can match the field on Rory instead of jamming. Yeah. So match the field, I think is a fair statement. I didn't know where you were going to go with that one. It's not like it's, I will listen. I promise the listeners this, there'll never be a podcast that'll happen where I'll be like, you know what I'm going to do? Fade Rory. (laughs) I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the ownership comes down like early in the week, a lot of, you know, it's, it's imprecise because a lot of the chatter is just on the top end guys. Uh, the positives for Rory, obviously the long-term talent, the pedigree. He also gets one of the largest course fit adjustments in the entire field. So the data golf work definitely thinks it's something where it sets up well for him. It's sort of a neutral course history course for him. And all of that puts him like a, a step above Rom. Uh, I think that's fair. I guess the the one pause would just be is Rory's first event of the year, whereas Rom's been playing a little bit more consistently. So do you want to weigh that stuff at all? Um, I still think in this range, like it's it's for me, it's Rory Rom or it's drop all the way down to Xander and save some salary cap. And that's kind of where I'm I'm leaning right now, which would kind of take me off of Tiger and Justin Rose, unless we're going to get some extreme ownership discount on them. Um, I think we've got Rose like, rated more like a $9,500 golfer. So you're kind of paying the course history price for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's definitely a situation where um, like, I, I think the data golf stuff will be a little bit off relative to the field ownership. Like I think that I think Rose will be a popular play and I would imagine that running uh, the data golf stuff unadjusted, you're just really not going to get very much of him at all because you're going to get so much Xander, so much Hideki, uh, and so much Gary Woodland. Yeah, and I, I like Xander quite a bit because – so Xander gets like a negative course history adjustment, and but he gets a pretty positive course fit adjustment. So he's a guy that kind of should set up well for the course that hasn't necessarily played up to that level. Um, for him especially because it's not like a – 12 year career where that's happened. I think you can kind of throw that into the trash with small sample. And so maybe it's a case where like the more casual people will be off of him off of that course history. Um, But he does still set up as one of the strongest course fits above $9,000. So um, that's why I'm really interested in those guys. And I do kind of agree um, from there. It's, it's trying to drop to Hideki to Gary Woodland um, more than it is trying to figure out ways to get up to get exposure to Tiger or Rose. Yeah. So, uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in agreement on Xander. Definitely think that, uh, Woodland are like, I, I, I would say the nine K guys, the guys I'm going to play the most obviously are going to be Hideki Woodland. And, uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, I'm not so much in agreement with the Patrick Reed projection, though, uh, our projected ownership on him right now is super low. And because I use the ownership constraint, uh, I imagine that my first run is going to get uh, a good chunk of him. Uh, do you have any, any big thoughts on Patrick Reed? I, I would say he probably is a good course fit because he gains so much of his strokes on approach. So I've got him at, they have him as like a neutral course fit. He's like negative course history. He's kind of caught in this range where other guys are more obviously bombers that are around him. Gary Woodland, Finau, Hideki above. 
Um, and then like Jason Day with the elite course history below. So I do think Reed gets lost. Uh, he's definitely not the guy that if I'm building one lineup that I think would be like my anchor, but I do think because of all those dynamics, he's going to go low owned in tournaments. I think he's a really good MME play, even a really good 20 max play. And it's a guy that even without any kind of, you know, bumps for course history or course fit still profiles as a good value. Um, you know, we drew the parallels to Augusta earlier, Reed, obviously a master's champion. So I think there's some merit to Patrick Reed this week. Uh, I agree. It's not the, the play that like jumped off the page when I was like, I, I, I was like, I was I like shocked. I was like shocked to see how much his projection was, was better than the guys who were priced around him. Yeah. So, I mean, he's projected like almost identically to Gary Woodland. Right. Um, but right. it's just the, it's like Finau and Finau is a pretty interesting case because even factoring in like a massive bump for course history, a massive bump for course fit. We know he hasn't missed a cut here. He's still rating as a substantially worse value. Um, and so he's the type of guy I'd be considering fading this week because if you believe those numbers, then like any ownership on him just doesn't seem justified because he's not coming in with the same caliber of play as he'd showed in previous years. All right. We, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about the elephant in the room. Jason Day has won at this course, I believe, twice in the last five years, might be twice in the last six years. He's, of course, coming off injury, right? Of course he's coming off injury. Uh, and he's not a he's not the best course fit in the world, right? Like, it, you you wouldn't say, okay, Jason Day, uh, like, this guy is going to absolutely smash it here. But, I, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to give the pro-Jason Day argument, I would say he definitely hits it longer than, like, you think. Like, you think of Jason Day as, like, a, like a Spethian guy, but he actually, like, he has distance off of the tee. The thing is, is when he wins, he just, he's going to gain eight strokes putting, ten strokes putting over the course of a week. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, like, guy, guy can putt here. But he, but he he smashes it. I was gonna say I didn't want to have to hit you with the well. Actually, no, no, but. he does. He, he he people think of him as like the like this like the he, annoying he has, like make thirty foot putt guy. But he he smashes it. He has the second strongest course fit in the field above eight thousand dollars with the data golf work. Tony Finau had better. Rory um, and then I guess Rory above. We already talked about, um, but. Day is kind of right there with Finau and he does smash it. He's not very accurate. And it's a course where the work that they did shows that that matters a little bit less. And then the approach play and kind of scrambling stuff, you know, day can have it on Uh, the, the layoff and all that is always going to be concerning. Um, I I can't see myself getting carried away if he's, you know, lower reasonably owned. I imagine I'll have some exposure because the price is pretty cheap, but he doesn't stand out as like a, a screaming value. Um, I just prefer him slightly to like Morikawa, for example. And um, I think we've got him rated similarly to, to Scotty Scheffler, which is, I guess, a little bit surprising, but um, because Scheffler's can't, been can't, playing. I mean, can't stop Scotty though. He's, he gets all the roles. What are you going to do? Exactly. And he's been playing yeah. more often. So I'm like, I don't want to take a wait and see approach because Dave's done well here. So I'll probably have a little bit, but I'm definitely not going to, he's not going to decide my week, put it that way. Yeah. Uh not gonna be playing any Cam Smith. Maybe maybe if the projections give me some Neiman, I will. Obviously not gonna be playing any Jordan Spieth. It, okay, inter- uh, another another interesting discussion point. Sneds. What what do you do with cause even with even with 
what is a, a pretty big course fit, course history adjustment for Sneds. He's still only rating as like a negligible value. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So he has like the one of the highest uh, course history adjustments in the field. Actually, has a really poor course fit rating, and I know that uh, historically Snedeker, and he's talked about it. Like, and he's talked about being better putting on Poa, and I know Data Golf is not considering that at all as far as course fit elements. They're not looking at like putting splits on Poa, Bermuda, things, bent grass, things like that. So maybe there's like some disconnect there. But you could also just see it as like, you know, Sned's course history here is a little bit run good and in, in trying to tease that stuff out. Um, well, I mean, it, I mean, a hundred percent it is because a big part of his adjustment has got to be relative to the year where he had like four, four more strokes gain than everyone else in a tornado. Yeah. So I'm definitely not in love with him. Uh, the, the other, the issue though is like, I'm not in love with a ton of these guys in, the, in this range. Um, you have like Ryan Palmer. Like, do you get super jazzed about putting in here? I, I mean, he, no, friend, friends do not, friend, friends do not let friends play Ryan Palmer. I, I will be more likely to nuke Ryan Palmer than to play him. <laughs> and then, and then Billy Horschel, who I was super into last week and you're getting a huge price drop from the field last week, but the ejection on some of the easiest holes in the world is not comforting. Um, but I imagine I'll end up with a little bit of Billy Horschel because I can't see other people wanting to jump back on this week. And then if not that, you're kind of jumping down into the $7,000 range and you're looking at, you know, Ben on Jason Kokrak types. So I like this, those guys. this Molinari projection is hilarious. <laughs> uh, not as, not as hilarious as betting Molinari at 30 to one last week. Hey, 33 to one. I mined out every bit of that value. Uh, turns out, turns out Molinari, uh, he just, he was on a fish heater for like 18 months and it's, it's all over now. Um, I, I like Matthew Wolf a lot more than the projections do. Not surprising to hear me say that sentence, but he seems like maybe he does, like he's, I'm sure he certainly doesn't have the course history, but he seems like a good course fit dude in terms of, uh, just pounding it off the tee. Yeah. I, I think, I think that part of it is pretty fair. Um, I mean, our ownership projection on him is like minuscule, and I imagine it'll change over the course of the week. But still, yeah, they they have him with a pretty substantial course fit adjustment there. So tip of the cap to you, Davis. You nailed that one. Um, love it. Love the love to love to really get deep in the data. That's what I'm all about, Colin. I'm just I'm really all about just teasing out the data as much as possible. Um, some other guys who I think are uh, these these this isn't going to be like real DFS chalk. This is going to be daily roto subscriber chalk. But Kokrak and Benny Ann just with massive massive projections down in the seven thousand dollar range. Yeah, I, I feel like at least Benny Ann is going to be real DFS chalk, just because you can't build a strokes gain model without Benny Ann popping in it. I mean, the guy, the guy gained strokes. And then he just, you got, if Mayo's touting him as an outright with Feinberg, then Benny Ann's got to be headed towards 20% ownership. I love a good 20% owned Benny Ann. <laughs> That's the best kind of Benny is when you get him, when you just get him as stone chalk, that really is the best. Um, and I, I think he pops in the betting markets too. Um, like I, I look at that a bunch. And so he's definitely, that's something I look at one to like help uh, drive ownership projections but then two just to to like fact check the guys data golf's crazy on and like right. it, it seems to jive so i mean i guess man it, it it definitely seems like i'm headed towards a week where i'm playing like a 15 to 20 percent on benny ann doesn't feel great uh swag collie 
7,600, like him a little bit. Imagine his course fit is uh, probably not great. Nope. Um, the I think a, a big flashpoint down in this range, though, what are you doing, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bubba Watson? Yeah, definitely important decision. Uh, 7,500 is a price tag where you don't have to do a lot to pay it off. You know, you make right. the cut, you outscore your finishing position, throw in a birdie streak or two could finish 40th in this event and be 20th in DK scoring and at 7,500 finishing 20th in DK scoring would be great. I'd, I'd take that. Um, so I think I'm in on Bubba this week. He checks like the course history adjustment box. He checks the course fit adjustment box as well, which is nice to see. Um, it makes me feel more comfortable. I mean, than- he's a good wedge player. Like I, like I think about things he does well and it does fit this course. I just, yeah, I, I think the, the red flag for me is how do you win an event and then just decide that you don't want to play the course anymore? <laughs> you know? Cause like he's, he's like, played it twice since his win. I mean, he's like literally like the worst. Like he, like Bubba Watson is one of the like just most annoying people in professional sports. <laughs> like it's just, it's just like he's not trying to go out there and like make my, rational decisions. My wife likes him. She thinks he's misunderstood. Thinks he's misunderstood. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. That seems that seems far fetched to me. When he showed up at um, Riviera and he was just there to like play basketball with the slebs <laughs> last year. Ugh, that guy, man. So I don't know. I think I'm going to play Bubba this week, though. Um, beating around the bush a little bit. I, I think the price is is too. No, cheap I'm, to... I'm I'm in on that. Yeah, I I agree. I I think the price is good, and I think that um, just like the the scoring points are are definitely going to matter. A couple other guys down here. Uh, not not particularly interested at Harris English at a 15 percent ownership projection, despite the the strong projection. I I'm not playing that. I like well, I like thank Cam you. Champ a little bit too. Um, Course fit. Yeah, yeah. You know, the cheaper version of Matthew Wolf, seventy eight hundred versus eighty two hundred. Get the the course fit bump. I like him a little bit. I don't play him very often. Probably rostered him like twice in my DFS career outside of Showdown. But I might get in there a little bit. I think the ownership will be in check a little bit uh, because of Ben Ann, because of Kokrak. Um, not going to go crazy with Champ, but. Type of guy that I would I'd be happy to play if he's low owned. I'd, I'd be happy to fade if he's high owned. So I'm gonna have to see where the final projections shake out there. What uh? What about uh? What about Glove Daddy, Lucas Glove, Glover? Yeah, yeah. Def, I, I think it's a good Glover course. Um, I think it's a pretty good Keegan course too. Like I feel like Glover courses and Keegan courses are pretty. Similar. It is. It is honestly a good Keegan course, which is brutal. And you know, Keegan has solid course history here. Glover, you know, solid course history. They both rate as decent values. And you're kind of, if you want to pay up for guys, you need to pay down too. And there's not a lot I like below 7,000 this week. So if I'm trying to get teams with Rory or Rahm on them, I, I have to play guys like Keegan and Lucas Glover. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess if you were deciding between run BMC, Keegan and Glover, like, I think Denny McCarthy is a better player right now, but Glover and Keegan definitely feel like they fit the, the course McCarthy's better. McCarthy. I mean, you think that though, and then McCarthy just makes every twenty-eight foot putt that he has to make, and then you're just like, "Well, yeah. I guess I made so, that choice wrong." And, and maybe like the answer is maybe McCarthy is just more likely to make the cut, um, more yeah. stable of a player. But like Keegan or Glover, they'd have to run really good to get there, but they might be more capable of finishing inside the top ten at this event. So yeah. 
I think I prefer them slightly in tournaments. Yeah. Plus, I think Denim McCarthy, is- man, ownership projections last week, I did pretty well for the most part, identifying the chalk. Like Scotty Scheffler, we knew was going to be popular. He ended up way more popular than I expected, but I did not see the Denny McCarthy ownership coming. Blew People love that guy. But I thought it was just us. Maybe, maybe we're, uh, I thought it was just like, he, no, he's PR starting to get touted on, on Mayo stuff too. Man, get off, get off our boy. I did not, when I saw that, I was like, I wish I didn't play this guy. I can't believe I'm playing like a 500% on Denny McCarthy. You love it. Um, all right. We gotta, gotta, gotta find, oh, I mean, I gotta shout out my boy, Dylan Fratelli. He will definitely be, he will definitely be in the mix pretty much. If you've, if you've been on the take cast at some point, you gotta just like, the, there's so much equity tied up in having you win, anyways. That uh, I, uh, I I just gotta play you some of the some of the guys who I like as punts. Um, I mean, to, like what is like Carlos Ortiz? Like what is the deal here? Like like why like they, like Data Golf loves Carlos Ortiz more than any player in the history of golf. It's crazy, and I mean it's not that he's bad or anything like that. It's just it's it's crazy how well he projects. I mean, he doesn't project that well. Right, like he. I mean, he is projected for eight more points than anyone else on the second page of our projections. But you're, but he's on the second page of the projections. I'm just like it is no. I, so he, he, not, it's he, not like he's inside the top twenty of the field. Um, sure, but I would say that they definitely value short term form. I, they value everything, but short term form is definitely a key component of it. Uh, he hasn't missed a cut since the Greenbrier. He's got top fives over that time at three different events. These are all weak field events. But the one thing about this week is the top of the field is really strong, but it doesn't right. feel like the bottom end of the field has that much depth. Um, well, because most of the guys are over in the Middle East playing like that, like the, the second tier guys like Brooks and Bryson and Fleetwood, like a lot of those guys who are like good players um, they're they're playing in the Middle East right now. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely value Ortiz less than Data Golf, um, but I still think sixty nine hundred. You're not like, yeah. I mean, you, there's not that many guys down below that you would look at and you'd be like, oh, I really love that guy like way more than Ortiz. Like someone has to be ranked thirty fifth in the field, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think Ortiz is uh I don't think Ortiz is a bad play. It's just, it is, it's just wild to me how much he does stick out relative to some of the other guys. And uh, I think some part other... of that's just a function. I would say like when you run the optimizer part of that's also just a function of the fact that you're trying to get in all these top end guys that rate really strongly compared to like the mid tier. So then it it's definitely going to give you um, a lot more punts, but yeah, I mean, I have like Ortiz closer to like Russell Knox and Keegan Bradley in my projections, just as like my adjustments. Um, so still a value, still a guy I want to play, but not, not like the, the guy I want in like 60% of my rosters. Yeah. A couple other punts who are uh, going to make my mix. Adam Shank, of course, Keith Mitchell, even though it's uh it's not uh you know, not in Bermuda. What, what, what can you do? Uh, noted, noted birdie maker, Bronson Burgoon. And, uh, they, they mentioned this guy on Mayo as well. And I, I, I think this is such a, I think this is such a good play. Like I'm very tempted to jam like 20% of this guy, Wyndham Clark. That guy, he does nothing but smash it and putt. 
and it, like his everything else in between is very bad, but he absolutely lays it off the tee. He's so good at it, and uh, he's getting a good projection from Data Golf, so I feel like it's already co-signed. <laughs> yeah, Wyndham, Wyndham Clark and Kevin Tway uh, both have the largest, as far as all the punt plays, they've got the best course fit, um, and it's it's not particularly close. You're kind of a, a bunch of guys down here that are negative, and then you've got Clark Tway, Keith Mitchell, all getting pretty big bumps, and then Luke List as well, but he gets a bump from like super negative to just straight zero. Um, but I I think down in this punt range is like the the area where I'm more inclined to make some decisions off of that. Um, Want to balance it with ownership, and if Mayo's having Wyndham Clark, I always get a little bit concerned because so many people like piggyback off his picks. But uh, definitely was one of the punts that I was considering playing. The other guy I want to dive into a little bit more. Just an eight-round sample, so if you are using the optimizer, you're going to want to keep that in check. Um, but this guy, Harry Hall, is rating as a pretty decent value, was a, a high-quality college golfer last year, uh, only has a few rounds under his belt, but um, is a guy that it rates as a decent value, I think will be kind of totally off of uh, everyone's kind of roadmap and was the Mountain West golfer of the year last year. Gotta gotta make some adjustments for uh for Peter Uline though, right? We gotta we gotta get Uline. We gotta get him in the fold. I do not have to do that. I I love I I just like uh and um another guy here who's really horrible who I will get to play is uh is Brandon Haggy. He's uh he's in this field as well. So those will be two guys who I'll get to boost up a little bit who are uh, truly not very good golfers. I would definitely not play Brandon Hagee. I mean, you can find other like. You don't have to tie your brand to that. You can find other guys who bomb the ball who are young. I mean, what what <laughs> I could play? I could play Zhang Zhenjun Zhang. That guy's I mean, horrible. You can just cancel your Brandon Hagee and play some more Wyndham Clark or play HV three or something like that. I mean, I could just I could just go reverse brand and play Steve Stricker again. Biggest negative course course fit bump in the field. So it checks the box. I'm glad they got this course fit stuff baked in because otherwise they'd be having a negative. I mean, Stricker, Stricker has the biggest negative course fit and he's still projected as a value. <laughs> yeah. Um, not a guy I'll be looking to play this week. Oh my gosh, dude. Graham Dillette is in this field. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Graham Dillette and, and Kevin Chappell are guys that I just, I'm taking like a wait and see approach. I mean, Dillette had such a long layoff and it's just, you never really know what what you're gonna get, and so um, super long term, he he definitely would have been a guy that had some merit. But I remember I I, I played him it. in cash at the RBC though. Canadian like, Open. I feel like once. we were getting guys dropped off at like 6,500 for a while, and like it's been a while since we got like the Stone Man 6K that might even be playable. Yeah, we got we got two. We got we got we got GDL and we got Brandon Hagee, who is six stone flat six k. <laughs> the the biggest. So I'm not going to play this guy, but I was shocked when I went through and the the largest course fit adjustment in the entire field. Um, Jamie Lovemark, Ryan Brem, never heard of him. Getting a quarter, more than a quarter, point two eight strokes per round adjustment. Now, granted, this dude might only log two rounds, but um, got to dig into him a little bit because he must he must launch the ball. Yeah, gotta be. He's got maybe he's like a converted like long drive champion. <laughs> I think maybe I've played him in showdown before. I think he's like a guy who when he's dead man in showdown that the optimizer uses sometimes. Um, okay, want to talk a little bit about betting before we get out of here? 
Uh, didn't actually see, like last week, I bet a bunch of T20s and stuff. And I don't know if this is, um, you know, a, a more efficient market or whatever. But as far as like matchups and T20s, I, I really did not see anything that was, uh, you know, making me making me run to my uh, my gambling apps. Yeah, um, I'm. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely tough. I would say if you shop around for prices, like it's pretty interesting because some guys that we talked about, like DraftKings, had some better outright prices on like Ben on, for example. Um, whereas FanDuel, I feel like, has some better top twenty prices than some of these guys. So if you do shop around, like like Carlos Ortiz, we talked about. Uh, he's seven to one on FanDuel. He's only four to one on DraftKings Sportsbook. Data Golf makes him like plus three fifty. Even if you feel like they're too high on him, I still think when the market's giving you like two x the price that Data Golf puts it at, um, I think it makes for uh, a reasonable play. Yeah, I mean, and and most of those guys are far further. Like most of the bets are, you know, way down the market. Munoz, Ortiz, uh, this this Harry Hall fella, and as we talked about, as it relates to the outright market, I'm just I'm not betting guys that are that deep this week. I just I uh, just am uh, am not going to do it. So and and I don't know if this is you know the market getting better or whatever, but. There was there was not one plus EV tournament matchup on on my book uh, by data golf stuff not not one bettable tournament matchup out of twenty five so that was a real bummer. That's interesting. Yeah, That's surprising. Yeah. But the uh, the price I I think it's just the price is getting worse. Not like I think that like, instead of like twenty cent lines they're making some of like like Xander versus um Rose was a thirty cent line on my okay. book which is just like it's so bad. Um. <laughs> Uh, okay. One and done before we get out of here. Um, I, I'm off to a, I'm off to a, a decent start in the Gups corner. One and done. I got, uh, got Ricky last week. So tilting that he melted again and then Webb in the first week. So, uh, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I might use Hideki this week, imagining that most people will use him next week. Yeah. I do think a lot of people will use him next week. Um, I guess, you have to kind of decide, I guess, strategically if you're still going for the first segment or if you're trying to play it more balanced. I think given the purse size, I do think using a secondary player like Hideki or Xander, who I would I would consider using because I think he might be lower owned than some of these other guys, would be the route I'd go this week. Um, unless you're just trying to jam in like the first segment and then I would consider using Rory or Rom. But in general, I think you want to be saving like the top 10 golfers in the world for the majors and for the um, WGC events where the purses are so big or for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, so I do think the secondary players are, are good. Hideki maybe the, there. The other guy I would or consider, I, I think it's it's Woodland or Hideki for me. Yeah, for me, it would probably be like Xander or or. Or oh no, he's a top five player in the world though, so we got to save him for like he's going to be like my U.S. Open guy. Xander is. I mean, he's going to be one of my. He's going to be a TPC or a major almost for sure. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of fringe there. I think he could. Well, and he he's, he just won't be big chalk in any of those. Like like Rory, like Rory, Dustin Brooks, Tiger are going to be is going to be the the majors chalk and Rom and GT. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like Xander at the U S open, like he might be used by like 98 people in the Gups corner one and done or whatever. Like it'll be, yeah, it'll be just uh, some sweet leverage. I imagine day has got to be reasonably popular this week. 
so that's the other guy I was thinking about uh, of using him. But Data Golf has him as seventy-five to one. They have him worse than than Scotty Scheffler and and uh, his, Colin Morikawa. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like they would. It would just be big time. Like so, there's a difference between making a fancy play for leverage, and then when you make it <laughs> when you make a fancy play with two hundred and thirty-seven other people. Yeah. It's just like, what am I actually doing here? What's what's the use? Yeah. So the I, I'm probably not going to do that. Reed. Patrick Reed would be the fancy play that no one's on. Yeah, I mean that's true. Like, uh, he, Data Golf has him better than than Woodland, who we both just said was good. So. And that's even I don't including know. all the negative course fit we talked about. Yeah. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for us here at the Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast, sponsored by Daily Roto. Uh, for Colin Drew, I'm Davis Maddock, and we will see you next week after Rory has obliterated this field. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital360. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.